Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. John chapter 13. And uh, some significant things happen in this chapter right now. And by the way, we're beginning a run now in chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. This is all this night before Jesus died and the events that took place on that night, including the Passover meal uh, leading right up to uh, and toward the ramp up to his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. So here we go. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. Having loved his own, he's talking about his disciples. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. See, he was responsible to care for them until he uh, died, was raised from the dead, and of course, certainly, uh, when he ascended, then his responsibility directly over them, as before, ended. But he loved them right to the end. I mean, even though he was concerned about his himself and his death and all the things that he said, I'm troubled in my spirit, he kept loving his disciples, looking out for them, wanting to care for them until the end. Verse 2, and supper being ended, Supper being ended. We're talking about this Passover meal. Other gospels tell the story where Jesus said, go into the city, you'll see a man carrying a pitcher, follow him. And uh, he's got a large upper room. Make ready for the Passover there. And so here's supper being ended. The devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The devil having already put this into his heart. So the devil is involved in the crucifixion. I love what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, had the rulers of this age known what was going to happen, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. The devil did not understand the whole plan of God, did not understand that if Jesus dies and pays the price for sin, God's going to raise him up from the dead. And then many human beings who were bound in sin are going to be liberated from sin, liberated from the domination and authority of the devil to serve the Lord. And so Satan wasn't clear on this whole plan. He's looking to destroy the son of God, Jesus. And so it says, uh, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. This is the night before he's going to, in fact, this is the night he's going to be arrested. This is the night he begins to be tortured, beaten, spit on, humiliated, etc. This is the same night. He knows it's going to happen that night. And what does he do? He gets a basin of water, girds himself with a towel, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. These disciples that are going to go, you know, they're going to get off scot-free tonight. They're not going to be tortured, beaten, arrested, 
abused tonight. He is, but he's washing their feet. He's modeling something for them. He's letting them know, I love you. I care about you. I still want to serve you. I still want to bless you. I still want to meet your needs. But he's also modeling for them, as we'll see in a few moments, how we ought to be with one another. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? See, a lot of people give Peter a bad rap, but I'm telling you, Peter's heart here is, Lord, I want to wash your feet. I don't want you to wash my feet. You're the, you're the Lord. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. I'm, I'm following you. It is you who is giving me life. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing now, you do not understand. Or what I am doing, you do not understand now. But you will know after this. In other words, you'll understand this later, Peter. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. In other words, go ahead, serve everybody else. But no, I don't want you to serve me. I want to serve you. This is a right heart that Peter has. He doesn't understand what he's saying. He doesn't understand the importance of the implications of what Jesus is doing. But his heart is right that he wants to be the one to serve Jesus and not have Jesus serve him. So he said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus adjusts this a little bit. And he doesn't say, if I don't wash your feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you. See, this is a bigger issue than feet. Jesus is showing, among other things here, Jesus is showing, look, this is the way our relationship has to work. You're going to go out into this world, work your job, uh, go about life, and you're going to pick up contamination from this world. You're going to pick up contamination. And when you do, you're going to need to come back to me and be washed of your sin, be washed of compromise with my blood. And if you don't come and let me wash you, then you won't be saved. You won't have a part with me. See, so this is a process that Jesus is teaching with the washing of feet. If I don't wash you, he didn't say your feet. If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Well, of course, Peter wants a part with him. And this is not only talking about salvation, but this is part of the ministry. Uh, if you don't, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So he said, well, then wash all of me, you know, pretty much give me a whole shower. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. A little reference to Judas. But notice this. Peter says, well, then wash my head and my hands also. And Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. And this is, this is clear that Jesus is saying, look, this is not just symbolic. Well, let's just wash one another, you know, give each other baths or something. No, he's saying, look, if you're a person that's already bathed, but you're out walking with sandals, your feet are going to get dirty. Meet the need. And this is how I think this should be applied. Sometimes when I was a kid, we would have foot washing services. And I, I see the symbolism of that. I can see the importance of that. But really, that's not what Jesus is encouraging us to do, is to have foot washing services. And here's why. We're not mostly out wearing sandals. You know, sometimes during the summer and such, yes. 
But we really don't need somebody to wash our feet. We have running water in our homes and such. It's pretty easy for us to keep our feet clean. That's not really our need in today's day and age. What Jesus is saying is see the needs and meet one another's needs. So foot washing is not a real need that most of us have today on rare occasion. But there are other needs that we do have that we often overlook. And we don't serve one another and meet those needs. And Jesus is saying, do that. Don't just do something nice for somebody. Like, for example, if if I come to you and I say, hey, can you sit down and take your shoes off and I wash your feet? You say, okay, you know, if you really want me to and such, but it's kind of uncomfortable for you. It's not what you needed. You didn't need it. You didn't need it. Jesus is saying, meet the need. What do they need? Do that. Do that. Okay, so he says, uh, you are clean, Peter, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down, again, he said to them, now here comes the lesson. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I, then your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So here's the application. He's saying, if I, your Lord and your teacher, will do these things for you, to you, then you do them for one another. Even if you're the boss or the leader or whatever, be humble. Be willing to serve. Be willing to meet people's needs right where you are. Oh, may we all do this. May we all be like this. May we all be like Jesus and not uh, always be demanding other people or looking for everybody to serve us. But may we also see needs and meet those needs humbly. Okay, let's see. Verse 18, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. So now Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament prophecy about him being betrayed by one of his disciples. Verse 19, now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, in other words, even this prophecy being fulfilled about the Messiah being betrayed by one of his own, he said, should convince you further that I am indeed the Messiah. Verse 20, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me, of course, talking about the Father. When Jesus has said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now he's just come out with it clearly and forthright, forthrightly. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. They couldn't believe that he thinks one of us would actually be uh, the one who betrays him. Verse uh, 23. Now there were there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That little disciple whom Jesus loved is a way that John would talk about himself. There was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him 
to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast or chest, we would say today, he said to him, Lord, who, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. Listen to this. And John's the only one that says it this clearly. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot. I mean, John is saying, let me tell you exactly what happened. He dipped some bread in maybe some vinegar there, like we like to do in an Italian restaurant. He dipped the bread and he gave it to Judas Iscariot. So now everybody knows who he's talking about. He gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Oh, my goodness. After the piece of bread, Satan entered him, Judas. I mean, entered him. So Satan had already been influencing him. We saw earlier in the chapter, but now Satan enters him. We would generally refer to this in in, uh, the church world as demon possession, but this is satanic possession. This is Satan entering him. And so we don't need to get into a theological theological discussion on what exactly that means. But the bottom line is, uh, just like today, we can be full of the Holy Spirit. He was now filled with satanic thoughts, satanic motives, and such. Satan entered him. And of course, this is Judah's fault. He gave place to this, and and there was a progression of things happening here that he gave Satan this opportunity. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast. This was the Passover they were eating, but uh, the Passover is also the... the initial point of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which happens for the next number of days. So he said he thought maybe go give some to the poor or buy those things we need for the feast. So he says, uh, for some thought, because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately And it was night. So this is already nighttime now, the night Jesus is going to be arrested. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. Jesus was sort of watching this checklist be checked off of all the things that needed to happen leading up to his death when he would say, It's finished. We, we checked off all the boxes, everything that was prophesied that needed to happen going into my death and paying the price for sin. It's being checked off. So Jesus is saying, now the Son of Man is glorified. Uh, in other words, that one box that's checked right now, that now Judas is going to betray me, this is going to trigger now my crucifixion happening. So he's saying, I'm being glorified. Now it's set. Now it's happening. And the fact that Judas got up and walked out to go do it, Jesus is saying, it's game on now. This is going to be happening. And he says, now the Son of Man is glorified. In other words, obedience, sacrifice, even death to fulfill the will of God. Jesus called that being glorified. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? This is a different perspective. This is honoring God. This is seeing the kingdom of God advance, the will of God accomplished. Verse 32 If God is glorified in him, talking about himself, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. 
You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have, as I have loved you. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus is making a clear connection. Do you see how I have loved you? Be like that toward one another. Be like that. He didn't say, as you have loved me, love one another. No, because <laughs> that wouldn't be a very high bar. He said, as I have loved you, love one another. And he said, this is a new commandment that I'm giving to you. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? See, they still don't understand. Jesus has said to them several times, I'm going to be killed. The third day I'll, I'll rise again. And Simon said, well, where are you going? What's going to happen here? And he's also said, by the way, and I'm going to be with my father. A little while I'm going to be with you, then I'm going to go be with my father. And so Peter's, you know, speaking really for the rest of the disciples. Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. When? Well, when they die and when they go on to heaven. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake, which we know to be true because when he was being arrested, uh, Peter pulled out the sword and started swinging. And it was, there were too many for him to win that battle. So he was really willing to die. He's, he's being honest here. Verse 38, Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. In other words, it's nighttime now. The rooster will not crow early in the morning until you've denied me three times. Of course, this really uh, punches Peter in the gut because Peter doesn't believe this will happen. Okay, well, that's chapter 13. Uh, this is a whole flow of this evening, 14, 15, 16, and then, of course, Jesus' famous prayer in chapter 17. So don't miss any of these days. They're so important. This is the night of Jesus' arrest. And the words that he says in these next chapters are among the most important words in the entire Bible. So I'll see you tomorrow for chapter 14. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.